But this world system, this is not his kingdom, nor is it ours. We're living on borrowed time. We're living far away from our home in an alien world called Earth. That's the reality. This world is not our home. If you're born again, your citizenship is in heaven. Let's take our Bibles tonight and open up to the Gospel of John. And uh, when you get to John chapter 16, John chapter 16, if you could stand, we're going to read together just one verse of Scripture, and then I'm going to have you sit down. John chapter 16, and we'll be reading the very last verse of the chapter, verse 33, John 16 and 33. Folks at home, please, you uh, read along with us. I'd like to ask you to also stand up out of your couch or your gaming chair or your lazy boy or wherever it is that you're, you're sitting. If you possibly can, stand. Um, and let's read together, shall we? Verse number 33, all together. Here we go. These things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Thank you. Please be seated. Well, tonight we're going to be talking about true peace. And true peace is something that the world does not have. Let's lay that out right away. Peace is not the absence of war. That's usually what the world thinks. But the world doesn't have true peace. And I'll tell you what, they don't even understand what it really is. Um, Isaiah spoke about the unsaved people and, and he said this in Isaiah 59, the way of peace they know not. That's so typical of unsaved people. People who are not born again, they've never received the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. All they know is this world and the arguments of this world and the things of this world. That's all they know. They don't know. The Prince of Peace, Jesus. Now God tells us that in the coming tribulation, which is not here yet, some people have mistakenly um, said and, and, and thought that the tribulation uh, spoken of in the book of Revelation is here right now. It's going on right now. It's already started. It hasn't started yet. It has not begun yet. But it will begin. And the Bible tells us that in this tribulation... There won't be any peace. In Revelation chapter 6 verse 4 it says, And there went out another horse that was red, and power was given to him that sat thereon to take peace from the earth, and that they should kill one another. And there was given unto him a great sword. Now, let's say this. One of the biggest differences between saved people and unsaved people, one of the biggest differences is peace. In Psalm 120, verse 7, the psalmist said, I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. And that gives you a, a very clear line in the sand. God's people are for peace. The devil's crowd is for war. Now truly, in this world that you and I live, 
we who are born again, God's children, are going to have it rough at times. That's just the truth of it. God tells us in Romans 8.36, As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Now I know that in this country we don't face a slaughter like some of the Christians face in other countries of the world. In certain countries of the world, if you're found to be a Bible-believing Christian, you're an enemy of that nation. And they will arrest you and torture you and kill you. We don't have that here. No, not yet. Well, how are we as Christians to behave during this pandemic? It's all over the world. How are you and I to behave ourselves? I'll tell you this. No one that I know of, saved or unsaved, no one that I know of really enjoys having to put on masks, having to get vaccinated, having to keep social distancing, having to observe restricted access to church. No one that I know of enjoys those things. These things are not very pleasant. As you all know, there are a number of opinions circling amongst Christians today, largely over the internet. Some of these opinions are good, some of these opinions are questionable, and some of these opinions are, are downright wrong and despicable. But the, the question is, isn't, the question isn't, what does this man say and what does that woman say? That's not the question for us. The question is, what does the Lord say? That's where your, your interest ought to lie. Now, it's okay to find out what this guy or that lady says, but above that, above and beyond all of that, your hunger and thirst ought to be, Lord, what do you have to say? So when you talk to me, don't talk to me about what this person says and that person says. Talk to me about what the Lord says. Because I'll be very honest with you. I'll be very candid with you. I don't really care what the world has to say. What this guy or that woman has to say. I want to know what the Lord has to say. He is my Lord. That man on the internet is not my Lord. Jesus Christ is my Lord. And I stand or fall before him. This is where our hunger and thirst ought to be. This is what we ought to be trying to find out. If all you do is consume yourself with this website and that website and this doctor and this man and this woman, you're going to go crazy. You really will. You can't keep up with it. The amount of information that's being pumped out on a daily basis is overwhelming. No one is able to keep up with it. And trust me, there's a lot of charlatans out there. There are wolves in sheep's clothing out there. And they're going for blood. Well, we cannot allow ourselves to be influenced by anything that might obscure what God is telling us. We have to listen to what God has to say. And almost stop listening to what men are saying. God, what are you saying? That's the key for us. And Peter and John said it clearly when they were arrested and brought into court. In Acts chapter 5, they said these words, We ought to obey God rather than men. And that is absolutely true. 
We ought to obey God. So therefore, God, what are you saying? What does God have to say? And in order to find out what God has to say, we have to go to the one source of truth that he gave us. The word of God. Because the word of God has got all the answers we need to get us successfully through this pandemic. Now you won't find the word pandemic in the Bible unless you've taken a pen and written it in there yourself. You're not going to find COVID-19 or COVID-20 or vaccines. or You're not going to find it. But you will find principles in the Word of God. And that's all we need to get us through this troublous time here. And so, let's look into the Bible tonight. And let's find what truth and guidance it has for our lives. So would you pray with me now? Close your eyes, bow your head. You folks on at home, you, you pray with us. Dear Heavenly Father, we come as sheep to the shepherd. We ask you please, grant to us wisdom and understanding. Open the eyes of our understanding. Give us faith to believe your word. Give us love and patience. And give us peace. Help us, Lord. The world is... Is in turmoil. Sometimes people we know. Are in turmoil. Father give us peace in our hearts. And bless us in Jesus name. Amen. Well John 16.33. These things I have spoken unto you. That in me. Ye might have peace. You see there's the, the key. To knowing if we're following the Lord. Closely or not. And the key is peace. Is there peace? Is there no peace? If there's no peace, <laughs> something's wrong here. If there's peace, then we know the Lord is near. That's what we have here. Now tonight I want to give you nine things to think about. Nine things to think about. In order to, to, to get the most benefit from God's word on this subject tonight about the pandemic. In order to get the most benefit, we're going to have to look at a number of scriptures. And so I want you to be ready with that and turn from Scripture to Scripture with me, okay? But I want to give you nine things to think about tonight. Now, number one, I'm going to summarize everything up in number one. In a nutshell, we are to let God's peace guide us from day to day. We're to let God's peace guide us. I'd like you to turn to the right to the book of Colossians. Colossians and chapter number 3. Colossians chapter number 3. And if you would again please read out loud with me. Number 15 verse 15 Colossians 3.15. Read that with me now. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. We have here an interesting word, not just peace, but the word rule. The word rule. God says that we are to let his peace, let the peace of God rule in your heart. This word rule is similar to our modern concept of an umpire at a baseball game. You know you've got the pitcher, you've got the batter, you've got the back catcher. Standing right behind the back catcher is a man called the umpire. 
He's the guy whose word is final. If he says foul ball, then it was a foul ball. If he says strike, then it was a strike. His word is final. The umpire has the power to throw a player out of the game. And it's happened. Maybe you know of this. A player will come up and argue with the umpire. Blah, 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 blah. You're a rickety, rackety, blah, blah. And the umpire look at him. You're out of here. And that player is not allowed to play that game. He's been kicked out. The umpire's word is final. God's peace is to umpire in our lives. This is so critical for you and I, and we must not lose sight of this. Amongst all of the, the pandemic and the confusion, and this man and that man and this website and this person and so on. Oh, I'll tell you, there's a lot of stuff being said today that's absolute nonsense. There are things that are so totally wrong, but they're, they're being told, uh, they're lies being told. There's a, a politician in Ontario, and he's recently been coming out and railing against certain um, elements of the government uh, and, and saying some things that really seem nasty and some things that seem just too, too unbelievable. And now he's recently apologized. And he said these things were wrong and I was wrong to say them. Well, I praise God for his honesty to do that. But look at all the damage he's caused along the line. Don't believe everything you read. Don't believe everything that everyone tells you. People that say, oh, well, this percentage of this and this test and this results and all these things happen. How do they know that? Where are they getting their sources? You'll find that a lot of these people, when you do the research, and I've done the research, a lot of these things are based upon lies. These are, are statistics that are made up. These are, these are things that have no foundation. When I watch a, a YouTube presentation or read something on a website, and boy, it really seems crazy. They're saying this, that, and the other thing. Well, I'll go and check out this, that, and the other thing. I won't just believe it. And I'll find that, wow, look at their sources. This guy's been caught a number of times in lies, and he's the source for these statistics. Write them off. You can't believe everything that you read. So be very careful. But what we can do is we can let the peace of God umpire in our hearts. The truth is, and look at me, the truth is, no one here and no one online, none of us, really know the truth of the statistics we're being told unless we are the ones who've done the statistics. We're told by this company and this person and this doctor and this preacher and, and these people, we're told certain things. Well, where do they get that from? Where do they find it? Where do they get it from? Well, they got it from this source. They got it from that source. They didn't get it firsthand themselves. If you go out on the streets of Surrey with a, a clipboard and a pen and you talk to half the people in Surrey, 325,000 people, you talk to them yourself and ask them certain questions. Now you can speak authoritatively. These are the statistics. But unless you've done that, 
with the people who got COVID and the people who didn't get COVID and the people who got vaccines and the people who wore masks and the people who used hand sanitizers and the people who stayed in, the people who went out and underlying conditions and this, that, and other thing. Unless you yourself have done all of that study and research, you don't know. You're just going by what someone else said. So that's very important. There's no way that we can know. This thing is worldwide. We can't go around the world and find out all these things. But I'll tell you someone who does know. And that's God. God knows the truth. He knows the absolute truth. What's happening. He knows what is true. And he knows what is false. So what God does is he gives us a peace. And says this is the way walk ye in it. And here's the thing. If there is no peace in the way you're going, then you better double check the way you're going. Is the Holy Spirit really leading you? If you're filled more with arguments and filled more with frustrations and filled more with anger than you are with the peace of God, you have every reason to sit down and take stock. What's happening? What's happening? I'm filled with everyone's arguments and frustrations. But where's the peace? Where is the peace that God promised me? That's what you want to follow. And God's peace will lead you through the wilderness. And God's peace will say, step this way. And if you walk that way, you stay in his peace. Now, the Holy Spirit will say, now come this way. And you'll come that way and you'll stay with his peace. And lo and behold, you'll avoid the landmines. In a nutshell, we're to let God's peace guide us. Uh, you know something? One of the qualifications to be a pastor is to be a man of peace. Did you know that? Does that make sense to you? Because that's what the scriptures say. It says in 1 Timothy chapter 3, some of the qualifications to be a pastor, it says not given to wine, so he can't have anything to do with alcohol. That clouds your judgment. Even the world knows that. You take a drink or something, get behind the wheel of the car, it's clouded your judgment. How would you like to get on an airplane and find out that your pilots had two or three? You'd say, let me off the plane. You're going to go through for brain surgery, you find out your, your brain surgeon just had a stiff shot before he came into the operating room. It's, hey, I want a different doctor, please. So, not given to wine, no striker. That means exactly what it says. Pow! He can't be a striker. Then it says, not greedy of filthy lucre. That means money that's gotten in an ungodly fashion. But patient. Pastors are supposed to be patient. And then it says, not a brawler. That means a fighter. Someone who likes to get down and have a good fight. And there are people that like to have a good fight. There's millions of people that love a good fight. That's why they go to boxing and wrestling and WWW whatever. That's why they like all that stuff. They, they love a good fight and blood sports. And they love, you know, and the sounds of crunch and ew, ouch and, you know, dislocated jaws. People love that. But that's not a qualification to be a pastor. A pastor cannot be a brawler. I'm sad to say we've got brawlers in pulpits today around the world. We've got men who are standing up and they're brawling and they're striking and they're fighting. And they disqualify themselves from the ministry by being a brawler. 
Sad to say, but we've had people leave this church because I'm not a brawler. They want Pastor Brawler. That's what they want. They want someone to stand behind the pulpit and land-base the government and call them nasty names and things. That's not what a pastor's to do. That's not the calling. A pastor is to be patient and kind. You're to be a follower of the pastor as the pastor is a follower of Jesus. If you think that I'm following Jesus, then follow me. Because I'm going toward Jesus. And peace is a key element. Sadly missing a lot these days. The devil's getting us all confused and all upset over things. we're, we're, We're upset because we're having things taken away from us. Certain rights that we think are ours being taken away from us. Well, we got to move on here. I got nine of these I want to give you. They're not all this long. Hmm. All right, number one, we're to let God's peace guide us. Number two, God's clear will, His will, it's very clear for our lives, is peace. It's very clear. I'll show you this in 1 Peter chapter 3. Turn there to the right after Hebrews, James, 1 Peter chapter number 3. 1 Peter chapter number 3, I'm going to begin reading at verse 8. I want you to follow along with me, please. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. Follow with me. Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren. Be pitiful. Be courteous. Not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing. Well, that's what's happening today, isn't it? But contrarywise, blessing knowing that ye are thereunto called, that ye should inherit a blessing. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil, and his lips that they speak no guile. Too bad. More Christians aren't doing this. Verse 11. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. That means to follow it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open unto their prayers. You see, folks, we have nothing to worry about because our Father is going to hear us when we pray. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. So God's clear will for our lives is peace. This world is full of trouble. We know that. It's full of turmoil. And we must remember that this world is not our home When you start thinking that this world is your home, that's when you're going to start putting on the boxing gloves and fighting for what you think are your rights. It's not our home. We don't belong here. Our citizenship is up in heaven. That's our home. We're just left here to do a job for Jesus Christ. We're not left down here to be fighting for what we think is our rights. Where's the peace of God in that? Obviously, there is none. The world is messed up. We know that. Born-again Christians are only in this world to live for Jesus, and He wants us to live a life of peace. Let's move on. Number three, God repeatedly tells us to follow or pursue a life of peace. Now, if you turn to the left, to the book of Romans, chapter number 12. Romans, chapter number 12, and verse number 18. I'd like you to read that out loud with me, would you please? Verse number 18, chapter 12, read together with me. If it be possible, 
as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. But, 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 but. Okay. Is it possible to live peaceably? Well, it is if we'd keep our mouth shut. You know, sometimes you can keep your mouth shut and come off the winner. Or you can open your mouth and just say whatever's on your mind and you'll lose. You'll be the loser. During the war, I'm told, they used to say, loose lips sink ships. Because they figured the enemy had their spies all around. And the sailors and military people, when they would talk about what's going on and military secrets and things, the spies would listen, pass it on to the enemy. So loose lips sink ships. Blub, 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 down they go. We'd be far better off to say less and speak to, I'm sorry, to say, say less and listen more. Maybe that's why we have two ears and one mouth. We need to listen twice as much as speak. We know that James talks about the tongue and how it's a, you know, a world of deadly evil and poison and things like that. The tongue, that little member within you, it can set the whole world on fire. According to James, he compares it to the, the rudder on a ship. A ship weighs thousands of tons, but that little rudder at the back is what directs the course of that whole ship. And the tongue, oh, we need to be careful. Oh, be careful, little tongue, what you say. Oh, be careful, little tongue, what you say. There's a father up above looking down in tender love. Oh, be careful, little tongue, what you say. You know when brother and sister gets into a scrap and their mouths open and they say wicked things about each other. Well, what's happening today? Where's the peace of God? When we who are born again put on the boxing gloves and open our mouths and say, rickety-rackety, this, then that, and so on. There's no peace in that. That's not what God's called us to. He's called us to pursue a life of peace. Turn the page to chapter 14, Romans chapter 14. Look at verse 19. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify another. You think that's going to happen if we rise up in arms against these people and this nation and so on and condemn them? The unsaved world is the unsaved world. Are there no evil people in the unsaved world? Of course, it's full of evil people. But this world is not our home. We're just ambassadors for Jesus here to do a job. Right? Let me read for you a couple of other verses. Psalm 34, 14. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. 2 Timothy 2.22 Flee also youthful lusts, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Get together with Christians that are not brawlers and strikers and, and uh, railers against the government. Get together with Christians that are peaceful and are trying to follow the peace of God and the righteousness of God. Get together with them. 1 Thessalonians 5.13 And to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. 
Now, moving on, number four, our Lord Jesus wants to give us peace. He wants to give it to us. Turn back. We're going to be coming back to Romans in a little while, so maybe keep a finger there. But John chapter 14. John chapter 14, a very familiar passage. John chapter 14 and verse number 27. Okay, I want you to read this out loud. Folks at home, read out loud with us. John 14, 27. Read, it to get, read together. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Now here's something interesting. I just throw this in. The Greek word peace is the, the, uh, the word irene. Irene from which we get the the girl's, the feminine girl's name, Irene. The name Irene means peace or peaceful. My wife's mother's first name is Irene, means peaceful. That's a good name. And the Lord Jesus wants to give us peace. When you're reading these so-called Christian websites that talk about what's happening in the world with COVID and things, do you get the sense that they're upset? Do you get the sensation that they're frustrated? Or do you get the sensation that they're at peace? Which is it? Every day, almost every day, I look at 16 different news sites. Half of them are Christian. Half of them are non-Christian. And one thing that I'm looking for is who has the peace today? Well, it seems that a lot of people talking about COVID and Omicron and Delta, they're not very peaceful. They're agitated. They're upset. The things they write. You know, if you were sitting in front of them, you could almost hear them saying, Ugh, this, Ugh, that, look what's happening here. Look what they're doing there. And they're taking away these rights and these freedoms and so on. They're, they're sounding very agitated, very upset, very frustrated right away. Where's the peace? Where's the peace that Jesus gives? Is it anywhere here in their writings? I can't find it in this website. Where is the peace of God? The Lord wants us to have peace. He wants to give us His peace. Then why aren't we taking it? Why don't we have it? Well, that's a good question. You know, we just read John chapter 16 and verse 33. These things I have spoken unto you that in me ye might have peace in the world. Ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. That's good news, folks. You get the idea of what we're talking about tonight? This one word, peace, makes all the difference. Listen to this. Psalm 4, verse 8. I will both lay me down in peace and sleep, for thou, Lord, only makest me dwell in safety. Psalm 29, 11, The Lord will give strength unto his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. Isaiah 26 verse 3, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. If you're not experiencing perfect peace, you need to sit down and rethink things through. Where's the peace of God in my life? Quickly, number five as we move on. Living for Jesus results in peace. 
You can't help but have peace if you're living properly for Jesus. For this, we'll go back to Romans 14. I asked you to leave a marker there. Leave your finger there. If ever you're missing a finger, go to Romans 14. It might be there still. Romans chapter 14 and verse number 17. Ready to help me again? I need your help. Verse number 17, Romans 14. Read it together out loud. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. There's the kingdom of God. Are you living as a child of the king? Well, if you are, then you're experiencing the peace and the joy and the love and righteousness. It's all there in the kingdom of God. Proverbs chapter 3, 1 to 2 says, My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments for length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Isaiah 52 verse 7, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of them that bringeth good tidings and publisheth peace. That bringeth good tidings of good, that publisheth salvation, saith that saith unto Zion, thy God reigneth. Jesus. He wants to give us peace. And living for Jesus actually results in peace. It brings peace. I know this. Number six. The Holy Spirit will give us peace. And for this we'll turn to the right to the book of Galatians. Galatians in chapter number five. Galatians chapter five. This is a verse that many of us know. Galatians chapter 5. Do you know what verse? Can you guess? Someone said it. 22. 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. There's nine items there. This is the fruit. It's like one package. The Holy Spirit will give it to you. He'll give it to me. He wants to. If there is no peace in your heart, then there's no fruit of the Spirit in your heart. Listen, it comes as one. You can't have, well, I, I have peace, but I have no joy. Well, then you don't have the fruit. It comes all at once. Love, joy, peace. When the Holy Spirit is filling your heart, when the Holy Spirit is in control of your life, he brings about this beautiful fruit, love, joy, and peace, and the other six. He brings them all at once. So if you're missing out on peace when it comes to the pandemic and the restrictions and the masks and all this rigmarole and stuff, where's the peace? If it's not there, there's no filling of the Holy Spirit. James chapter 3, verse 18, And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace. Of them that make peace. And so if we don't have peace. We don't have the filling of the Holy Spirit. And if that's true. Then watch out. Watch out. Here's why. Because Romans chapter 8 verse 6. Says for to be carnally minded. That means worldly. Earthly minded. For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. You've got a spiritual mind, a carnal mind. Only the spiritual mind will bring you the peace. The carnal mind won't. If there is no peace, uh-oh, maybe I'm living in the carnal side of things. You get the idea? 
we have to move on. Number seven. God actually wants us to pray for our rulers so that we might live in peace. We'll turn here to the right. You're in Galatians. Turn to the right, please, to the book of 1 Timothy. After Thessalonians 1st and 2nd, you get to 1 Timothy chapter number 2. 1 Timothy chapter number 2, please follow as I read verse 1. I exhort therefore that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and for all that are in authority. Now watch. That we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. Folks, look up for a minute. Our politicians, God bless them, most of them are lost. Most of them are not saved. They've never received Christ as their Savior. They've never been born again. They got into politics for the power and the money and who knows what else. But most of them, some of them are saved, but most of them are not. And that's why we need to pray for our politicians. I've heard Christians say horrible things about our Prime Minister. But I've never heard those same Christians pray for the Prime Minister's salvation. I've never heard those same Christians praying that God would give wisdom to our Prime Minister so that he doesn't make mistakes. If our Prime Minister and our members of Parliament and all of our elected officials are making mistakes, maybe it's because we aren't praying for them. We need to pray for our leaders. Otherwise the devil's going to grab them and fill their head and turn them whithersoever he will. And our country, our world is in chaos. Maybe, just maybe, we're not praying for our leaders. Maybe we think the thing that we should do is protest them and call them names. And write articles in the newspaper about them. And write articles on the internet about them and all of their mistakes. And yeah, they make a lot of mistakes. And if you haven't noticed, the government is constantly swinging the pendulum too far one way or too far the other way. They're human beings and they're making mistakes and they need us who have access to the Almighty God. They need us to uphold them in prayer so we can live a peaceable life. So if we're having turmoil in Canada, check your prayer closet. Have you been praying? You know, if you want to come to me and talk to me about our Prime Minister or our MPs, I'm going to ask you how much time you're spending in prayer for them. You see, we need to see it from God's perspective. So this is so important that God does want us to pray for our rulers. Now, number eight, God actually wants us to submit to our government leaders, our officials. Now for this, we'll turn to the right. And we're going to go to 1 Peter chapter number 2. So after Hebrews and James, 1 Peter and chapter number 2. First Peter chapter number 2. Look at verse 13. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme, or unto governors, as unto them that are sent by him, for the punishment of evildoers, and for the praise of them that do well. Government says, we got to wear masks in certain places. All right. 
You know, the, the government says uh, they recommend vaccinations. They're not demanding. It's, it's, it's not a, a law across Canada that every Canadian has to be vaccinated. They haven't done that. But there are sections of the government and sections of private industry that have the power to say, if you want to work here, we want you to be vaccinated. That's their right to do it. A church has the right to say, if you want to come in, you have to show proof of vaccination. A church has that right to do it. So, as far as the vaccinations go, you still have the right to refuse it. You can still say, thanks, but no thanks. And folks, there are people that don't want vaccinations for, for medical reasons. They've got some kind of condition where the vaccination will, will hurt them physically. And they can get a medical paper on that too, by the way. There are others that, that don't want vaccinations because they, they don't want anything that's um, of a medical nature put in their body. And that's their right, and we need to respect that. And of course, there's other reasons, but I'll tell you some of the dumbest reasons not to get vaccinated, because Bill Gates put a microchip in the, the vaccine, and that's the mark of the beast. That's one of the dumbest reasons why not to get vaccinated. But if that's what you want to believe, that's up to you. You have that right. But you better do your research on that one. Because that is really, I mean, from planet Mars, that one. And yet there are people that believe it. Just like there are people that believe the world is flat. Do you believe that? The world is flat. It's not round at all. It's flat. There are people who believe that when they landed on the moon, it's all a hoax. It was done in a back lot out in the desert down in America. The people that believe that. Man has never been on the moon. What do you believe? Where are you getting your sources from? Well, this is so important that God wants us to submit to our governments. Now, if you turn to the left, go back to Romans and chapter 13. Romans chapter 13. We'll see it again. Now, let me see if I can get my history straight. Uh, when Peter wrote in 1 Peter chapter 2, when he wrote to us to submit to the, the government, who was the government at that time? I believe, if I get my Roman history right, that was Domitian. And Domitian was not a very nice emperor. He was another baddie. Now he had some good things that he did, but as far as the Christians went, he was anti-Christian. The Roman government was anti-Christian because the Christians refused to, to throw a bit of incense on the altar in, in homage and reverence and worship to the, to the emperor. The Christians refused to do it. They said, no, we worship one God. We're not going to worship man. We're going to worship one God. That made them the enemy of the state. Here in Romans chapter 13, when Paul wrote this, telling us to submit to the, to the government, Nero was the madman on the throne. Remember, he's the guy that they say had something to do with the burning of Rome. And history says he played his fiddle. He fiddled while Rome burned, although the fiddle wasn't invented at that time. So 
Nero was an absolute lunatic, a madman on the throne. These are the men that were on the throne of ultimate power in the then known world when God moved on the hearts of the apostles Peter and Paul to tell us to submit to our authorities. It wasn't Prime Minister Justin Trudeau on the throne of the Roman Empire. It was Nero, the madman. This guy would have Christians caught and tortured. He would have us bound to stakes, covered with pitch or tar, set on fire to provide the light for the games in the Colosseum at night. He would have us thrown to the lions. He would would have our, our wives and children cut down and slain and sometimes speared in front of our eyes before he would have us killed. This is the madman, the lunatic on the throne. And in Romans chapter 13, let's see what Paul wrote. Verse 1, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid. For he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is a minister of God, a revenger, to execute wrath upon them that doeth evil. Wherefore ye must needs be subject, not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake. For for this cause pay ye tribute also. Those are taxes. That's what that means. For they are God's ministers attending continually upon this very thing. Pause for a moment. Did you know there are Christians, some Christians today that refuse to pay tax? Because they're saying, well, some of our taxes are going to pay and support abortions. Therefore, I'm not paying any tax. Well, they need to read this here. And verse number 7. Render therefore to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. What are we reading here? We are reading that God is telling us to submit to our governments. Now honestly, think about this. The Christians in Paul's day who were taken and tortured and beaten and thrown to the lions and killed, if those Christians could somehow zip come and live in Canada today, How much of a big fuss do you think they'd make over masks and social distancing? Huh? The early Christians of 2,000 years ago, if we could beam them into today and live in this nation of Canada, do you think they'd be all up in arms and put on the boxing gloves because we have to wear masks? What do you think? Because I kind of don't think they would. Let me tell you a little bit of history. Almost done here, folks. Canada was once known as the New World. We weren't known as Canada hundreds and hundreds of years ago. But we were known as part of the New World. And the New World was populated with indigenous people groups. And these indigenous people groups largely worshipped nature. The Norsemen came somewhere around 1000 AD and we we consider them the first visitors to North America and to Canada. 
And then in 1497, an explorer by the name of John Cabot got a commission from the English government. In, and he came and landed in Newfoundland in search of riches. That's why he came. In the 1500s, France began colonizing Canada and they established Roman Catholicism as the religion in this land. In the 1530s, they came up with a name for this land, Canada, which means a village or a settlement. That's what the name Canada means. British colonization started in the 1600s and they brought in Protestant religions. And Judaism in Canada, when, when you think of it, is almost as old. Now, of course, everyone who came to Canada, the colonization of Canada was purely for economic and political reasons. That's why they came to Canada. But many Christians in Europe took advantage of this new world and they left Europe to escape persecution and they came to the new world. That's why some of them came. The wars in Canada between France and Britain ended with Britain taking over Canada. And in 1867, we became a nation and we got the official title, the Dominion of Canada. Move forward to 1965, Canada started flying its own flag. There it is up there on the wall with the red maple leaf and the two red bars on either side. In 1982, Canada got its independence from Britain. And we got our own charter of rights and freedoms. And folks, it's not the same charter. It's not the same as what the Americans have. One of their freedoms, their, their rights is to bear arms. Guns. We don't have that. We're a different breed. We've, we've got our own form of, of, of rights and freedoms. But you can't look at what's happening in America and say, we have to have the same thing. I mean, we, we should have the same thing. You can't say that because it's a different nation. It's founded differently. The nation of Canada began using the Bible as a primary influence upon its politics, education, and religion. There was a day when Canada believed in faithfulness in marriage. They believed in the sanctity of human life. They believed in Sunday worship. All these things were common, common, common at one point early on in our nation. But that is no longer true. Today, Canada is not the same nation as it was in 1867. It is a different nation today. The Lord's Prayer used to be recited in public schools. I know, I was there. But they threw that out. Not only did they throw the Lord's Prayer out, but they banned all Bibles as well in the public schools. Back in 1869... The government of Canada ruled that abortion was illegal. In 1988, the Supreme Court of Canada struck that down and made abortion legal. Many years ago, Canada was once considered to be a Christian nation. But that went out the window a long, long time ago. Canada today boasts to be a multicultured, multi-religious nation 
And actual born-again Christians are far in the minority. Now the reason I'm telling you this is because some of the websites out there are saying we're getting our freedoms and our rights trampled on and they're citing things that happened over a hundred years ago. And the people a hundred years ago, yes, believed them, but the people today don't. It's a whole new ball game. And we got to get with the times. What I'm saying to you is this. This world is not our home. And what Christians have done, they've made a big mistake. And the mistake is we think this is our home. We think this is our home. And because we think this is our home, we're going to put on the boxing gloves and we're going to fight you for our rights. No one's going to tell me what to do. And that's causing confusion. You know something? Our Lord Jesus hung and died on the cross for us. And he told the people, I can call 10,000 angels. But I won't. Jesus said that if this were his kingdom, if this were his, his world, so to speak, then he would fight. His people would fight. But this world system, this is not his kingdom. Nor is it ours. We're living on borrowed time. We're living far away from our home in an alien world called earth. That's the reality. This world is not our home. If you're born again, your citizenship is in heaven. One day, you'll be there. We're not there yet. We're in a foreign land. But what about my rights? My Christian friend, when you got saved, you gave up all that to Jesus Christ. He became your new master. You don't have any rights. You gave them all to Jesus. He is now your Lord Supreme. And that's why we are to follow him. And he will give us peace. If there's no peace, there's no following. We need to get back to following. Then we'll get the peace. Who cares what this guy says? Who cares what that doctor says? Who cares what this world says? Have they stopped us from preaching the gospel? Yes or no? No, they haven't stopped us. Have they stopped us from supporting gospel preaching missionaries around the world? Yes or no? No. Our great commission is our job here on earth. We can still do our job. Yeah, we got a few unpleasantries. We got to hold our nose on this and be patient with that. But hey... All this is coming from a world that's all messed up because of sin. And the world needs Jesus. And we have the answer, don't we? And we need to concern ourselves more with getting the answer out the door. We need to concern ourselves more with getting people saved around the world. And right here in Canada and in Surrey, B.C., they need the Lord. I know. I've driven the streets. Surrey needs Jesus. One last thing. 
God wants us to rejoice in the midst of troubles. This is number nine. God wants us to rejoice in the midst of troubles. And I'd like you to turn and see this to 1 Thessalonians. This is our last scripture we're going to look at. You've been good Bible students tonight too, I might add. Yeah. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5. Now, would you read out loud with me, please? Verse number 18. Now, everyone needs to read this one. Okay, verse 18, I want you to read it out loud with me. Everyone, everyone at home, you need this. All together, 1 Thessalonians 5.18, read it. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. If you and I are to give thanks and rejoice and give thanks in everything, that's got to include COVID. No matter what way you look at it, it has to include masks and hand sanitizers. It's got to include all this stuff. In everything, give thanks. Are you giving thanks? As I mentioned to you earlier, some of the biggest fighters, so-called Christian fighters against government restrictions, they don't give any thanks. There's not a word of thanks that come out of their lips. And there doesn't seem to be any peace and joy either. Oh, they're full of arguments. They're full of fights. They're full of statistics. Dr. McFuddle says this. Now, I know someone that got vaccinated and they died the next day. Well, yeah, they stepped off the street and got hit by a Mack truck and they died. But they didn't mention that. No, they actually got sick with COVID and died. Yeah. Okay, sure. That's understandable. Death is a reality. No matter what you do sometimes. But bear in mind that a lot of people dying have got underlying conditions. They've got weak hearts and they've got weak immune systems to begin with. And then when this miserable COVID flu comes, away they go. Romans 5.3 tells us to glory in tribulations. 1 Peter 4.12 says, Think it not strange concerning the fiery trial that is to come upon you. You know something? Learning to give thanks to God for everything, including this pandemic and all the frustrations that go along with it. It's done by faith, not by feeling. You don't feel like giving thanks, but you do it by faith. And I'll tell you something, it's a sign of Christian maturity. The ones who don't give thanks, they're not very mature. It's a sign of Christian maturity. Faith and patience and love and growth and trust in the Heavenly Father to be able to give thanks for all things. That's a sign of Christian maturity. You don't have to agree with everything that's going on, and you probably don't. I sure don't. There are things going on in the world in Canada that I don't agree with. But that doesn't mean that I have to lose my peace because I know that God is still in control. I know that God is, is looking and he's seeing everything. And he sees what is being done behind the do closed doors and behind curtains. And he sees everything, everything. And I'm at peace with God because of it. There are many evils in the world today. One of the worst, I think, is human trafficking. I can't imagine the horror 
that some of these young girls and boys have to endure in the hands of evil, wicked, rotten people bent on nothing more than money and exploiting people. And human trafficking is going on here in Canada, right here in the greater Vancouver area, in Toronto and Montreal and in every major city around the world. It's a multi, multi, multi-billion dollar business. And it, it just turns my stomach, human trafficking. Organized crime, illicit drugs, mass shootings, lying, cheating, war, COVID restrictions, all just to name a few. These things are all in the world today, and these things cause us pain, they cause us tears, but by walking close to God, we can still have His peace, and that peace of God will help attract lost people to Jesus Christ. No one has ever been won to Jesus by a series of arguments and fights. They get won to Jesus by love and by peace and by joy and by patience and by prayer. These are the things that win people to Jesus Christ. So let's wrap it up here. How, how ought Christians to respond to this current pandemic in the world. Number one. Make sure, make sure you have the peace of God in your heart towards all men. Make sure you have the peace of God. Especially to saved people. Have the peace of God to lost people, yes. But have the, the peace of God towards saved people. So. You know, as we talk and exchange ideas and opinions. Let's have peace and compassion one to another. That's important. You know, discussion is good. Brawling and fighting is not. Number two. It's okay to have your own thoughts and your own opinions and beliefs. That's good. But please make sure they're based upon solid Bible study and prayer and a careful examination of the basic facts. Do not base your opinions upon what you heard this guy say or what you saw on this website or this YouTube. Don't do that. You could be swallowing some, some lies. Make sure that you base what you believe upon a careful examination of the facts. Backed up with a solid Bible understanding and prayer. And by the way, Beware, beware, beware of people, anyone who comes and preaches to you out of anger and frustration about COVID restrictions. Beware, beware of anyone who preaches out of anger and frustration. And finally, number three is use some common sense when it comes to cleanliness. Use some common sense when it comes to hand washing and basic personal protection. And something that I've noticed for the last few weeks is when we come to greet each other, we're not sure if we should shake or bump. What do you do? It can be a little awkward. Here's a thought. If you would rather bump than shake, then you'd be the first one to put out the chicken wing. That'll save some, some frustration. Uh, ooh, uh, what do we do here? <laughs> you <laughs> put your elbow out. and You can do two at once too, by the way. Go right down the line and tick, 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 tick. 
you can do that. If you'd rather shake and someone would rather bump, then you give them the preference and, and give the bump. And this way we show a little practical compassion one for another. Well, I hope this has helped. And if there's one word I want you to remember from this message tonight, what is that one word? Peace. Peace. Be looking for the peace. Okay, let's pray. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.